Are you ready to take your writing to the next level? Then welcome to the Book Editor Show. Join Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley each week as they teach you all the tips, tools, and techniques you need to move your book from manuscript to market. Visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books, and extras to make your old novel better than ever. Now, please welcome Clark Chamberlain and Peter Turley. Welcome to the Book Editor Show. Today, we are sharing three exercises to identify elements in your world building and edit them to engage the reader through your manuscript. If you're ready to move forward with your professional editing, stop by thebookeditorshow.com. We can help in every stage of your work from pre-production, developmental editing, copy editing to proofreading. Stop by today and let us know how we can help you build a better book. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and there's a story of a man named Martin who is creating a very lovely world. All of it had rays of sunshine like his own life. It was Westeros looking like a golden pearl. But his story, it wasn't epic. He needed to get it all figured out. If he didn't add some conflict or nasty weather, his book would sit all alone. Until one day when this man, he met a master, and they knew it was much more than dumb luck, that these two must somehow fix his story, and that's the way we all ended up with the Lannister Bunch. That master is my friend and co-host, Peter Turley. Peter, how's it going today? <laughs> that kind of had an epic feel to it itself. There was a beginning, <laughs> a middle, and an end right there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So I don't know if you're familiar with that. Did you ever watch Brady Bunch growing up, or did you ever see that in reruns um, in UK? No, I did not know. Oh, well, you, you've missed out. So I've I missed the whole dynamic of the intro then. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. So uh, I know that there's going to be a lot of other people out there that have heard it, and uh, hopefully it wasn't too terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was sort of sitting back and thinking, please no spoilers. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> not that we're famous for doing that. No, no, we never do that, ever, once. <laughs> How's, uh, how is your week going? Pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it's going well. Um, focusing on a lot of uh, script work this week, um, which is, is different um, and challenging. Um, but I enjoy the process, and I do like the sort of idea of having to distill things down to dialogue and mm -hmm. you know, considering that element a lot more. Um, you know, I think it's always good to sort of try different styles and you know there's always something that you can take away from that like we talked about in the um the, the script editing episode with jacob yeah yeah um and it can like it's almost in a way like working in poetry where you have to really start thinking more about what each word what the weight of each word actually means to the person who's uh taking it in whether they're viewing it or reading it yeah that's a lot of responsibility. It is, but you're the man to handle that kind of responsibility for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I hope our dear listeners will um, finally be able to have this show coming back on track. Um, as you know, we've been, Peter and I have been suffering through Google, <laughs> leaving us in the lurch with their hangouts. And so hopefully we have found a solution here with Zoom and uh, that this is going to work. and We're going to be able to get the show coming back to you live every week. Yeah. It's totally been a love-hate thing with, uh, with Google Hangouts. Um, it, we, uh, we loved it, and then last week it hated us. <laughs> yeah, it, <sure> did. <laughs> it hated us and left it, us. 
It came back from the grave for like one last scare. <laughs> yeah, because we I, I was so excited because I got on YouTube and I found that you could uh, use the old Google Hangouts in there to run the live. And I was like, yes, this is going to work. And we tried it. It didn't work. <laughs> it got all nostalgic at the beginning as well and it felt really good. And I was like, good old Hangouts, come back to save. The no, it no, it didn't. It just came to teach <laughs> us and remind us that it doesn't work. <laughs> but one last lesson. Mm -hmm. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to do this show today, though. Um, of course, this month, uh, we've been doing all about uh, world building, and we've done this in conjunction with uh, the Writership Podcast with Leslie Watts. And uh, this is a, a really cool project that, uh, that we've all been working on, uh, where we're going to create this journal that's going to help um, give you exercises and give uh, different ideas on how to use it to help create uh, a real world building Bible. And so today we're going to share three of these exercises. Um, and Leslie Watts was the, the one who wrote these. And so I miss, these are a lot of fun. And I think this is a really good way to approach um, the manuscript. Yeah, this was, um, it, it was great going through these prompts. Um, and they're just fantastic. And obviously, you know, if anyone wants to sort of know more about um, things like this, right shape is right to shape, right to ship <laughs> is the is the place to be. Um, you know, for the for these kinds of goodies. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting a little deeper into these, and um, hopefully, you know, everyone out there is going to find them just as useful. Yeah, and I, I think this can help on either side because we've got NaNoWriMo coming up, uh, of course, just in a few days to start. And I know that we've got a lot of listeners who participate in that. Um, I'm going to be participating in that this year. I'm going to try that again and um, see how crazy that's going to be with life. But, um, <laughs> but this is a, this, these exercises will help on both sides. Um, we're going to approach this as if you already have your manuscript done, though. And let's just jump into these. So the first one's called a day in the life. And um, so remember that when you're building a world, you're actually building out this full idea. And uh, the world is not just the plot. You know, it's not just the plot that's, that's going along really fast. And I think this is one of the things that uh, when I do editing work that I find that is probably the most common mistake is not establishing the world as it is before you begin the plot, which then begins to change everything. And so this can be a really great exercise to help you understand um, what that world looks like on a regular day-to-day -day basis. So it's called A Day in the Life, and uh, I'll just read through it. Um, any society you encounter has different income and social groups, and people observe the boundaries between them strictly or not. Uh, so consider how this is in your world by free writing for 10 or 15 minutes on these two topics. One, describe a day in the life of someone who inhabits the upper echelons of society. And two, now describe a day in the life of a common person. And so right there, um, as you notice, we haven't talked about doing a day in the life of your protagonist or antagonist. That this is hitting more than just that. Yes, yes, um, because that would allow you to kind of. Um, just before we get to that, I think the the reason for this that that makes this so great is because it kind of prevents that, um, which you can do with characters, which is writing into the character. Um, you can avoid that, and you when you you fully already know the character, um, and I think that's when doing this for the protagonist and antagonist will come into play. Um, but doing it this way kind of prevents that same problem of writing yourself into the world and, you know, figuring out the world as you go along um, or as you're going and editing, you know, you can kind of see where that might have happened. 
Um, and yeah, this this exercise by looking at the kind of the the upper rungs of society and, and the lower rungs doesn't necessarily tell you about the people, but it tells you about the world that they're inhabiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so let's take uh, a, a a great world building example um, in um, Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games. Okay, so we we open with her and she's it's always in a mode of survival, right? At the beginning of it, you know, out hunting, trying to get food for everybody. But uh, let's say that you're doing this exercise and you write the lower, you know, the lower class person, and they just go to work every day and then they use their money to go buy food. Um, so why was Katniss so different by running out and going and hunting and doing all this other stuff all the time? Is, was her life normal? You know, and then you can have something to compare it to. Like maybe you've thought this person, your protagonist, was living this kind of normal existence, even though it's fraught with survival, but no one else is doing that. So maybe that's something that you can go to your manuscript and then uh, double check to see if it's working correctly. Yeah, I love how we've uh, we've kind of both used the same example. Uh, it's obviously a really good example of this you know, with the Hunger Games. Um, you know, say you you jump in and you're doing a, a day in the life of uh, the common person and, and and the the upper classes. It's you know consider what are the advantages and disadvantages of of being in this place, um, being in this position within society. It really helps you flesh out you know the, the conflict within the world. Um, the class struggles, like who's getting ahead and, and why. Um, and the Hunger Games is a, an example of kind of the results of this. So, you know, what are the results of the, the distribution of power and the distribution of wealth? Who is it affecting? And then and what are they what are they doing to try and um, further their own gain, um, get out of sort of uh, the, the marginalized position they've been put in? Um, and it, and it, it just helps you really explore the conflict within the world and then how that's going to impact on, on the plot and like the story as a whole. Yeah. Because, um, this, as you're going back through, you know, we've talked a lot about things like mystery, tension and conflict, um, through your book. And as you're editing it, this is a great way to take a look at, you know, if you're having trouble, you're like, I just really don't feel like I'm having much conflict outside of the, the main plot. These are great. You know, like when we can start having social and class struggles that are happening and the tension involved in not having enough food to feed your family in these types of situations, that that can, you know, dramatically uh, increase the tension that the reader feels and the tension that the character feels or add conflict when people are fighting between these things. Um, it's just a really good way to, to um, just, you know, jar your memory, think of some different options. Yeah, what was that one? It's another dystopian one. Um, this, this, it's a movie. Um, I'm not sure if it was based on a book. They're on a train. Uh, do you know? Oh, it? And the, uh, that goes around the world. Yeah, oh, it runs yeah. endlessly, and uh-huh. and it's you know it it talks about in this exercise you know considering if um, upward mobility is possible within the between the the class structures, and I think that's just kind of like a great analogy for that and, and a great way to get that across you know where they try to move from the back of the train to the front mm-hmm. and obviously the closer you get to the front the further up the classes you move um and i think that's it's a great thought exercise you know can you can you move between the right class? 
and then how would you do that? Yeah, because um, and, and that is a fantastic movie, and I love it. You know, moving from the train car to the train car to the train car to try to move up <laughs> in the world. Um, but take a look um, if uh, in the Hunger Games, you know, I mean, there's no way that uh, the Katniss can maybe get a better education and move to a different city and change things. Right. I mean, she they're stuck where they're at, you know, and so like understanding whether they're stuck or you can move or what's the um, what are the difficulties in making that type of move. There's another really great uh, movie um, called uh, it Gattaca. It was about um, genetic and not genetic engineering, but people. Well, yeah, it did have genetic engineering so you could have perfect babies. And then the, the people who were born without the genetic engineering were always like became these lower class people because uh, insurance and different things like this. And so this guy, he wants to become an astronaut. And so to do that, you know, he, he buys blood from somebody else, buys DNA type stuff from someone else so that he can begin to trick the systems in order to get the job that he wants. So, you know, it added all kinds of tension, all kinds of conflict, all kinds of things happening to move forward. So it's a great way to take a look and it's, it's stuff that you probably, you might not have even considered with your world. That's right. And, and by going through the exercise, you know, writing a, a day in the life of the common person, these struggles are going to be highlighted, you know, so, you know, what's, what, what's bothering them within the world? What can they do? What can't they do? And, and something like that might surface that, you know, the, the facing this injustice just in their normal day that, you know, they're constantly being battered over the head with it and they want to change it. Um, but, it, and, it, and again, it doesn't just affect them, but it allows you to consider how the, how the, the world's working, um, in a, in a in a wider sense um, and helping you build that around the story yeah so and here's some additional uh review questions from leslie so uh, she she writes review what you've written and consider the following questions we've mentioned a couple of these but uh what determines where people fall in the hierarchy is it family gender money government religion intelligence are there multiple levels within the upper and lower classes uh, consider the advantages and disadvantages for each group. For example, people who are wealthy could have the normal advantages wealth brings, but perhaps a strict social code which makes pursuits that they would like to do off limits. Um, how do people treat others from another rung of the social ladder? Uh, is upward mobility a possibility? How often do people fall out of the upper class? You know, this third question is one that I really like. Um, because it's kind of like that idea with magic, you know, that magic should have a cost. So in your social structure, if someone has all the wealth, what's the cost of the wealth? You know, what, uh, what are they sacrificing in order to have that station and status? Yeah. You know, yeah. Even if, you know, even if it's, what are they sacrificing in themselves? You know, the, are they sacrificing a part of their humanity, which often comes at a cost of power. Um, and it's through these exercises that you, you can, you're able to really answer those questions because I think it doesn't always come so easy, does it, when you sit down and you, you just you ask yourself as the writer and you think, um, so, you know, how, what's it like being powerful in this world? But when, you, when you're going through it through the eyes of someone moving through the world, it, it takes on a life of its own. Yeah. And what I really enjoy about using these exercises in the manuscript stage, we've already got it finished, is that you've put it away for a couple of weeks, right? You've removed yourself from it for a little bit of time. So when you're coming back to it, you, you, 
you're not the author anymore. Now you're the engine. Now you're the story engineer. Now you're the editor. Now you're the person who's trying to look at it in these different types of, of, of through these different eyes to see exactly what it is that you can do to change it. Um, let's, uh, I think, did you have any others that you wanted to add on that one before we move to the next exercise? No, I think we covered that good. I think definitely coming, definitely coming at it from both those angles, you know, each end of kind of the, uh, the spectrum is the way to really get the most out of that exercise. Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, the second exercise that we're going to cover here is the founder's story. So this exercise, uh, says, write about how the founder and early inhabitants of the world, nation, province, or city came to land in your setting. You can use the following questions to help you get started. Who were they? What sort of people were they? Heroes? Accidental pioneers? What had they hoped to achieve? What was the expectation? Were they successful? How did they arrive? Who or what greeted them? Were they starting from scratch or building upon someone else's foundation? How did they get started? What did they focus on first? What sort of rules of governing documents did they formulate? How long did it take to establish the place? What were the pitfalls? What were some early successes? What did they leave behind and was it worth it? So this gives you a wealth of ideas, you know, whether you're creating a world, you know, that, uh, that, that is taking place with this founding group that's, that's arriving or that it's been 2000 years since the founders arrived. Like this is all stuff that is going to help you understand um, what elements have been carried through from generation to generation. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I, I love this exercise. I think it's, uh, I think it's really original. Um, and it just drives that point home that, you know, that the world, when we're going back and we're looking at the world and the, the, from a world building viewpoint, um, that the world existed before the story. And that if we can put that across um, in our writing, that it adds so much depth to the story, you know, it adds so much realism, um, it's more engaging, um, and it's just more exciting on the whole. And I think that by going back and considering who founded this world, um, just, it, well, it, it can't take you back any further, really. <laughs> so, I just think this is a great exercise. And, you know, it, it helps you sort of understand, you know, when you think of where kind of like our social norms came from, um, you know, what's acceptable in society and what's not, you know, a lot of it, it goes back that far or, you know, some kind of form of it um, goes back to the people that moved here. Yeah. So I, and if we take our own world history, you know, we can see places where a group was persecuted. And so they moved to a new world, new place, new land to occupy. And they founded a, an area. And then as other outsiders came in, those who were the persecuted become the persecutors, you know, <laughs> and, and want to have the world that they created that way. Um, you know, that they came there to build a world, you know, that had certain rules and expectations. And then as that world grows and other people come to inhabit it, 
that that change begins to um, smash against each other, right? And we see this all the time as our world expands and we become more of a, uh, of a, of a mixed group of people with different backgrounds and different ideas and where we want the world to go. And that, again, can cause conflicts and tension right there again, you know, that, uh, that you could add into your world. Yeah. And, and that's it, isn't it? It's, it's having these, um, these different forces at work that, like you say, are smashing into each other because, you know, as soon as you smash two things together, you, you get tension and you get drama and conflict, um, which is what we want. But also what's going to result from that conflict or from those two things smashing together is a new thing, you know, new ideals, new morals, um, new societies, um, and, and a new way of the world working. And even if you, you don't come away with like concrete things from, from doing this, it, you'll get something out of it, you know, and even just casting your mind back and considering the beginning of your world, mm-hmm. you know, just even alluding the power of this, even alluding to it in a story, for example, say you're writing a short story, you know, this becomes even more powerful and the more that you can kind of allude to something bigger and something wider really helps it become more immersive and more real. Mm -hmm. And um, I like the ideas of, you know, maybe the settlement, you know, the original founders failed. You know, and so that, uh, that your world, you know, if you have a fantasy world and you come across these ruins, you know, of a, of a civilization that was there before. And that creates mystery as to what, uh, what became before them. And so maybe it's stuff that doesn't even end up, you know, as you, you're editing your manuscript, maybe it's stuff that you even remove from the manuscript to add more mystery. But understanding it um, is going to help you, especially if this is going to be a long-term series. Because that's what all about uh, the world-building Bible is, is having a really deep, understanding of everything that's taking place in your world and you don't you don't even want to to try this before you've written your manuscript you don't want to have all this stuff down like write and play and see what's working and and these are good exercises to get to after you've built it and then you can start to reshape yeah definitely i mean you know don't don't worry about this um at the beginning um, and you know if you even if, you, if you're not writing sci-fi or fantasy and you want to give this a go i still think it'll it'll bring something to your work you know and if, if you're writing something that's set on uh, set in hawaii or <laughs> in the, the 90s or i don't know and anywhere and you think what was going on at that time um you know how was how was this country formed what's its history mm-hmm. it's, it's still a useful exercise and it's it's going to give you a greater insight into what's going on there the culture there um, and how that might impact your characters and and does it make sense you know suddenly you might you might then know something different and oh you know my this character might not behave like that because that's not actually the world it might expose kind of like a weakness in your world building even if it's more realistic than fantasy um so you know even if you're not writing fantasy take this on give it a go and you know see if you can get something from it yeah um and then and that can work i love the idea you know like a, a place in hawaii you know because there is so much uh, history um between how uh, how the united states annexed it and you know the old kingdom that was there before and again these clashing of uh, of peoples and ideas coming together there but you could even bring it down to even uh, just a town you know like how was this town formed 
you know, what, uh, what were the ideals of the people who lived here and, and exactly what has become of it, you know? And I love this idea uh, about what they left behind and was it worth it, right? Because every generation that comes along wants to leave their mark, you know, and was that mark right? You know, was that thing that they built actually helpful for the civilization that proceed or, you know, came after it or was it a waste of time? You know, like, is that what the founder's story is about is how that they were incorrect in what they were thinking. And now everything has had to change um, to, to build the world, to fix the world. Yeah. There's, there's always a, there's like an ongoing idea of the, you know, them and us, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me and the other. Um, and, and this is just great for, for, for getting that across and understanding how that's going to work within your story, you know, who sees themselves as, you know, who, who do they see as the others? And, mm-hmm. you know, even, even if it just helps you as a writer understand that more fully, um, it's going to shine through in the work and it, it's going to, it's going to come across, um, as we, as I always say, um, as a more engaging work of fiction. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was just, I was just thinking when you were saying that the, about the others, you know, especially like in fantasy, we see this all the time. And, um, you know, those poor orc mothers, when they heard that their sons, the white, <laughs> the white hands all dying like that from Gandalf and things, I just feel terrible for them. All they were well, trying yeah. to do is just <laughs> have a better life. <laughs> Plucked from the earth, yep. <laughs> sent off into battle. <laughs> it is terrible. It's just terrible how those elves treated people. <laughs> but you know, it's it touches back on that. Everyone's the hero of their own story. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, and <laughs> I I really want J.K. Rowling to go back and write the seven rewrite the seven Harry Potter books from Voldemort's point of view. I would love to read those books. <laughs> yeah. Especially when he's writing on the the back of Quirrell's head for an entire book, you know, that'd be yeah. <laughs> smelling garlic. <laughs> he had a hard life. He did have a hard life. <laughs> but it'd be a lot of fun. And, uh, and exactly, you know, you want to make sure that uh, you're not seeing things through the rose colored glasses of your protagonist, that you're really examining all the different areas of the world so that you can, again, build more conflict and tension and create a very full world that, uh, that feels like it's been lived in for a long time. And I think that's one of the other things of this founder story, you know, is that you're making it feel lived in. It's not just something that's just been plucked and, and given to us that's fresh and new, but it feels like it has an old life there. That's right. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to our third one. Um, scroll down. Where did I put that? <laughs> oh, the tour guide. Yes, it's up here. Okay, so be a tour guide. I really like this one a lot as well. Um, yeah, this one's great. Yeah, this one's a lot of fun because I think that we, um, as we're writing, you know, that we think maybe one thing is important, but once we get to the end of the manuscript and we can use this, um, we can use this exercise to really find out what's important that the reader needs to know. So be the tour guide. You probably have a clear vision in your mind of what you want your world uh, to be like, but how do you begin to transfer that vision to your reader? Practice by becoming a tour guide within your setting. Here are several options to find um, your way around. You are a realtor 
in your locale and need to share with potential buyers who must move there for work. Assume they know nothing about the place. Draft an email to the prospective client. Uh, consider how will you highlight the positive aspects and minimize the not so pleasant elements. I think we should talk about each one of these. Well, so that's a that's that's a state agent for uh, anyone listening on this side of the pond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, like, what does that hobbit do when they're trying to sell the home in the Shire? <laughs> I would love to read that story. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because or- apparently, you know, you you move out on one little adventure. And everyone just steals your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. They're ready to sell it there at the end anyway. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, don't get hung up on the idea. Well, oh, there wouldn't even be someone selling property here in my world. You know, what if someone comes along to sell Katniss's house <laughs> and you're going to move to a different place in town or something like what, that? What would be the selling point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a refrigerator so that that way you can have fresh food every day. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, you know, if you were selling a ship in star Wars, you know, it's, um, it's, it's how, how fast can it outrun the empire? You know, what are the hiding places on it on board? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. What are, what are these great things that you can have with this ship? So, and it, and that can be fun, you know, like if you have a real dystopian type world that you've built or, you know, a fantasy world that's all run down. These can be really fun because, um, again, this can help you see what's going on in the world and how people live in it, um, what's important to them. You know, what would be important to someone in the uh, in middle ages of time, you know, in fantasy world when they were looking for the house that they want to live in? <laughs> yeah, I just had a thought, you know, it's like um, – if you decided to live within like the matrix world and mm-hmm. um, you'd really need a landline telephone, wouldn't you? Yeah. Be, uh... <laughs> yeah, you would. So you can get back out. So <laughs> coming in and out of the world. So, and honestly, I don't even know where I'd find one of those anymore over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll just take the broadband. <laughs> <laughs> so that one can be a lot of fun. Um, okay. Here's the next exercise. Next part of the exercise. One of your characters has just arrived in your setting. She writes a letter to her parents describing what she has encountered so far. Experiment with different purposes. At first, she wants to reassure them. Then she wants attention. So um, I like that one, you know, or the idea that you can come in and, and um, Look at a world, you know, and, and how would you reassure, you know, like you're, you're the kid who's moving away from home. You're going to the big city. What do you write home the first time, you know, that you're trying to make sure your dad's not freaked out about it, not going to come to the town and drag you back home because he's worried. <laughs> yeah. And, and it also, you know, I think it helps you consider the most notable things of the setting. You know, what's, what's the first thing that you notice? Mm-hmm. So like when, when you go on holiday or something, you know, what, 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 you, what do you write home about? You write about like the first things you've seen and then, and then the first things you've encountered. And it, it, it you know, you get you in the, in the head of what stands out to, to this character or to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, this can also help to make sure. So when you're doing this and you're writing this, this attention and you're writing this um, where you're trying to see what they see, this will help you 
then examine your own manuscript and say, well, you know, honestly, I've, I've spent two paragraphs talking about this thing. And honestly, I don't think this would be that interesting. You know, like maybe this is not where I should be making this emphasis. Maybe I should be pointing it in this other direction. Yeah. So you can, you can kind of get that stuff out of the way. Yeah, because you've done a lot. And of course, you know, in the first draft, you're putting a lot of information out there for you as the author to understand. And this is a good way to go through and start sorting it and see what you want to keep. Um, so the third one here is imagine that you are a travel writer visiting your setting, write a blog post that you might submit to a travel magazine or website. Be sure to include accommodations, food, entertainment, means of arriving and getting around once you are there. I couldn't help but think of um, Terry Pratchett's The Colour of Magic uh, when reading this one. Um, you know, that, that kind of whole book is based on um, a, a character called Two Flower who's a tourist in the fantasy world. And he, he kind of seems like he's come from the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, he's a complete fish out of water, doesn't understand anything of, of this world. And, and, that stark contrast was such a genius way to to take the reader around the world um, and and show them all these different things because it was driven by his need to see the touristy things of the world um, and and it was just great to to uh, approach something with that mindset yeah and I, I you know this one also just makes me smile because I just think you know the <laughs> the travel writer who goes in with the orcs. <laughs> oh, you know, it's a, it's a interesting place, but I don't like it at night. There's just too much screaming that goes on as <laughs> they're being born from mud <laughs> and they, they run everywhere. Yes. <laughs> Travel's awful. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, talking about travel though, that is a really important part. Like how do people get around in your world? You know, whether you it's science fiction or whether it's fantasy or, um, or it's on a deserted Island, you know, how do people travel? What's the mode of transportation? Um, what's the, cause that, that can play a huge role into how far you can move, um, your people across on their journey. Yeah. And, um, and then again, because this is this is world building, and these are the the little details that you get right, and it, everything just works better. You know, you're you're almost um, dotting the i's and crossing the, the t's of your own world. You know, by considering how are they going to get around, where are they going to stay, um, where are they going to eat. <laughs> you know, when was the last time my characters ate? What what should they be eating? Um, and you know what can i play with this in any way yeah because uh, sometimes we don't even have those scenes we don't have a travel scene we don't have an eating scene we don't have uh going to the store and purchasing things or or sightseeing so this is just another great way to to uh, jump in there so uh, the uh, fourth one here is you are a journalist uh, who reports for the equivalent of the new york times or pbs news hour the atlantic the bbc um, send your dispatch covering an event to tell what you found. So this is kind of the same one. That conjures up another funny mental image. I can't, I can't get out of the uh, Mordor now. Yeah. <laughs> like a, a journalist is like behind the, uh, <laughs> the lines of Mordor. <laughs> so yeah. I'm here with the orcs. 
we've just gotten done with the, with the with the meeting of the general for the orcs. They're talking about how the the battle went today. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> the orcs are very nervous, preparing for what could be. You know, it's amazing seeing the tears as they look at their crudely drawn portraits of their family back home. <laughs> Well, that's it. You know, oh, well, do they have kids? Do I, don't, have kids? I have no idea. <laughs> You've never had a journalist cover this. No. See, we need some insights. Uh, we need to know. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump into the last one because uh, we need to wrap up today. Uh, you are a child returning to school in the fall and your teacher has instructed uh, the class to write about how they spent their summer vacation. Write about the trip your parents made you take uh, to the setting of the story. Uh, were you pleasantly surprised, genuinely horrified, or somewhere in between? And I got to say, first, right up front, I love the idea of approaching these from different age groups. Like, so yeah. make yourself like the 12 or 13-year-old kid in this one. Yeah, I mean, because it's different, right? You know, just, just as it's different between classes, you know, there, um, there, are, there are things that different classes can do and can't do, different sexes, different ages. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to have a different experience of the world. They're going to see the world through a different lens of their own. Um, you know, the injustices that they feel are going to be different. Um, you know, whether it's an objective injustice or it's just something that they feel is injustice, you know, going to bed at nine might be yeah. injustice to a, <laughs> to a young kid. <laughs> or, you know, like uh, the young boy wanted to stay and watch the, the Battle of Helm's Deep just a little longer. Before. <laughs> But it was going too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that went all through the night, didn't it? You yeah, know, it did. <laughs> he, he knew he was going to miss the good part, so he felt bad. <laughs> yeah, at, at, uh, at, at first light when Gandalf comes, God, you know, he missed the best bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you should have gotten up with us to watch Gandalf rise over the, the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> don't worry. Filmed it on my phone. <laughs> did a time. I did. <laughs> I did one of those uh, uh, the the time release ones. The <laughs> I can't think what that's called. Sorry. It'll be on the um, the Middle Earth equivalent of Google Earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so you can see you can have a lot of fun with these. Uh, again, uh, these exercises are, are in an upcoming uh, world building Bible journal that uh, we'll be releasing here in November. Um, and you can also, uh, Leslie Watts on writership, she and I have been um, doing five pages of editing each week of someone's work. Um, and it's all been in these types of worlds. It's all been about ones that have world building. And so if you want to see that editing in action, definitely drop by writership. And because it's going to be, uh, it's going to show you how we take this type of information and then how it actually looks edited on the page. Yep. And I want to shout out to Leslie for these prompts because they're fantastic. And yes, definitely keep a lookout for the, um, the Bible coming at the end of November. Yeah. And then uh, Peter, did you have anything else that you wanted to add before we close up the show? I did not. No, no. Oh, think, right. you know, take any of these and run with them in the, uh, you know, when you're possibly when you're done with NaNoWriMo and you've, you've gotten over the, uh, the trauma <laughs> it's been a nice time to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give yourself a couple of days to sleep. 
in between the counseling um, at the end of the month. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you might be able to find a support group or something like that. <laughs> I'll get through it faster. So, hey, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a, re- a review on iTunes or Stitcher, a like on YouTube, and follow us on Facebook. Uh, and if you're ready to edit your book to emotionally connect with your readers, stop by thebookeditorshow.com um, and click on the link to download our free worksheet. I'm Clark Chamberlain, and for my co-host, Peter Turley, keep writing, keep learning, and build a better book. Thank you for listening, and come back next week for more. Please visit thebookeditorshow.com for show notes, links to guests, books and extras, and for information on how to be a guest on the show. I'm blurry. Um, (laughs) You don't look blurry to me. No, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I just feel blurry. Yeah, yeah, it could be just a blurry day.